gonna be alright, gonna be alright. Wait until the morning comes, it's gonna be alright. Yeah! <laughs> we gonna be Texas as hell on this episode, y'all. Gonna be alright, it's gonna be alright. Wait until the morning comes, it's gonna be alright. <laughs> so this weekend. Here in Houston is the Rodeo. That is an event that y'all probably don't know nothing about, but because it's Texas as fuck. <laughs> and we're going to celebrate the Rodeo. I have never been to the Rodeo because the space is wide as fuck. <laughs> but this year, they invited Cardi B. <laughs> they invited Cardi B, and I just love that she is here wearing it out. So, in honor of the blackest ro- rodeo we've ever had since Beyonce. <laughs> and in honor of Black History Month, we have one of our pillars of the community, Mother Monica Roberts in the building. <laughs> so let's get into the show. Gonna be all right. Hey. Let's go. Hey, what's up, y'all? Hey. Hey, so, Billy Porter is slaying the motherfucking Oscars as we speak. This motherfucker wore a tuxedo dress on the red carpet. (laughs) Unbothered. (laughs) Unbothered. I am living, I just live for this representation. I live for um, Pose getting all of this love because they're so amazing. So yes. y'all know we did a Pose review for each and every single episode of Pose um, on our show. So if you want to go check that out, go ahead and check that out. Make sure you support the people. They, they got renewed for a brand new season. Jenny yeah. Mock just said that they writing and recording and doing the thing right now at this, move, in, uh, at this moment. So I'm so so excited, just so excited for um, season two of Pose. Me too. I'm excited too. I'm kind of <laughs> over it because they had auditions and I had. Sent they them did to have me auditions like, recently. And then the countdown came and I was like, you know, I'll, I'll sign up later. And it, oh, and it definitely was over by the time I tried to sign back up. Yes, oh, it was definitely God. over. All the girls were sending it to everybody, okay. emailing it like, we got Pose auditions. Come on. Baby, the bitch need coins to get to New York, honey. <laughs> and I did, and it was the right smack. It just recently happened, and I'm like, bitch, I can't be going nowhere right now. Like, shit, I'm trying to figure out other moves and shit. <laughs> but you know, I don't want to be no actor anyway. But I think so it would be sickening for you. Want a cute little, little spot? You know, just the one two. I want to write on. I want to write an episode. <laughs> I want to write an episode. If they go have me up as a, they want some talent. I got a story, bitch. I anyway. Wait, 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 wait. Let I. This episode is about the trans griot, (laughs) but but we all know I'm a storytelling bitch, so I'm one of the trans griots. (laughs) So we actually have a guest on our show, an amazing person personality um trans elder in our community the one and only monica roberts welcome <laughs> hey marsha's plate fam and btac fam hey yes. hey so eight more weeks to go when, when i started um back my youtube channel back in 2008 
I the reason why I started it because I was bored as fuck. I was in Houston and didn't know anybody, and so I was like, oh well, let me just start talking on YouTube. I had just found it and da da da. It was no big um oh activist thing. It was more about. I didn't have anything to do. I had a camera. I was a full-time hoe. (laughs) And, oh, so let me record some videos and talk about trans issues that I'm having or that I've had and all that kind of stuff. So upon me, like, Googling Googling stuff and when I would have questions and when I would have, when it come up with subject, I would Google. Now, I didn't know what kind of name that I was going to have in regards to, um, you know, all the activism that I do now. But I was like, okay, well, I'm a storyteller. So I'm a trans storyteller. A griot in the black history community is a storyteller. So I was going to be the trans griot. So I Googled trans griot. And there was a blog already in existence called the trans griot. And it was by Monica Roberts. So I go to the blog and she has just this plethora of trans history facts and just so much information of shit that I never heard of from Lucy Henderson, from um, Little Axe, the trans man in the gospel group in in Mississippi, out of Canton, Mississippi. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was out my my little town in Mississippi that I lived in was Walnut Grove. That's not far from Canton. So I grew up listening to the blind boys in Mississippi and all the people that were named in this and just to have just to think about a trans man being involved in that section i never would have thought a trans person was Mm -hmm. so seeing all of these things on the site and there was no other things popping up there was no other site that was this detailed and this Mm trans-centered and so i knew whoever the person was behind it really had really wonderful intentions in telling trans stories, black trans stories specifically. And so I clicked blogger, clicked her profile, and then found her. <laughs> it was like, well, let me add Monica Roberts, whoever she is. And then um, in 2010? Um, I moved back here in 2010, back uh-huh. home in 2010, because I was in Louisville when I started the blog. Exactly. I was. And in- we met officially, we met at the Trans Saints Conference in, in uh, Charlotte. Charlotte. Yeah, in Charlotte. Yeah. We both ended up. We lived in block. Houston at the same time, though. Yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking about that. Yeah, yeah, literally lived eight miles from each other. Yeah, in Houston. But, but we had to go all the way out of town to meet to each other. To actually meet. And, <laughs> wow. and, and we were actually on the same flight, but different parts of the airplane. Uh-huh, well, yeah. What the hell? Yeah, yeah. We, we didn't, we say, we didn't actually meet for the first time till we got to the Charlotte airport. And then uh-huh. we were stuck in the Charlotte airport because President Obama was doing a campaign event. In and, they, Charlotte. and we literally got into Charlotte just in time before Air Force One got there uh-huh. and shut mm. the entire airport, airport down. down. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. so that, that gave us a chance to really connect and stuff. And bond. Mm-hmm. And I really 
So that's why I was like, you know, if I was going to be on pause, I would want to be a uh, fucking griot, honey. I want to tell a story, yeah. bitch. I want to be a writer. I don't want to be an actor. Yeah, I would want to write. I say, I would want to write some episodes too. You hear that, Janet? I could definitely see it. Yeah. I could see it too. That would be bomb. Yeah. yeah. Y'all should put me definitely in the episode. <laughs> yeah. Y'all mean that just, I, you know, just a one-two. Cause, cause Let just, me be in the just, crowd saying, yeah. Because <laughs> just all the people that they had in some of those episodes, Late Ashley, uh-huh. you know, Trace Lissette, you uh-huh. know, some... And you'll say, and some of the amazing folks and stuff, Laomi Maldonado doing uh-huh. the choreography uh, but, for um, it. Hector Extravaganza, yeah. rest in peace. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so, so many. Um, so it, uh, it is so an amazing. unapologetic look at our culture because it's like, you know, I saw Paris is Burning mm-hmm. uh, in, you know, the River Oaks Theater when it came out mm-hmm. uh, in the mm. early 90s. And so it. You know, and and I remember when I uh, say Carmen Extravaganza had the article done on her in the Village Voice, mm-hmm. and so it it is an unapologetic, you know, real take on you know the how life was in the eighties, in the late eighties mm-hmm. for it's, a trans woman. Yeah, and, and they're gonna you know they're gonna skip it up a couple of years to nineteen ninety for season which two. I can't wait. I can't wait yeah. for them to do that. Cool. I hope they. Are they really- yeah, oh, yeah, they skip they skip it up to nine, like the early nineties, ninety. Um, definitely have those throwbacks on there. Uh-huh, I needed to be up. Yeah. Listen, <laughs> you late, baby. You late. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I decided to bring Monica here because when this um, this episode drops, it will be the last day of Black History Month, and so. I felt like it would be a horrible disservice to y'all to have this amazing trans pillar in our city and not bring her here mm-hmm. <laughs> and be on the show for Black History Month. Right. I mean, well, who else didn't have black ass Monica Roberts on the show? Right. <laughs> yeah, like, the same not? one who's so black ass that the turf tried to shut my blog down. Yes, wow. recent two times. Two times. <laughs> Wow. So recently, still here, which still is here. <laughs> still here. So recently, we had to go and hit up blogger to tell him what the fuck are y'all doing. See, even I tweeted them. Yeah, everybody <laughs> tweeted them. You know, we love Monica, so we can't have that shit. Let's talk about a little bit about your history. So tell me about why you needed to start Transgrio. Because it's a, it's amazing work. It is really trans-centered. But it's not just trans stuff. You really show your personality. Mm-hmm. You really show other interests that um, kind of... If, if there's a person who's following the blog that wants to be educated about trans people, it, it just gives you a black-ass trans experience from so many centuries, so many... Even, you know, down... It's almost like a documentary. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like a documentary in blog form. So tell me why did we need a Transgrio blog and why did you start to make it? Well, for starters, the reason I created it was because at the time, uh, blogging was starting to take off like that 2004, 2005 period. Mm -hmm. I was writing and a column for an LGBT paper in Louisville mm-hmm. that also, 
you know, was distributed, you know, in several states in the Midwest. But it was a once a month column. You know, Transgrio the column only came out once a month. And I had to kind of think about, okay, when I wrote these columns, what would be the, you know, say the headline, you know, or what would the news cycle look like a month from now? And blogging gave me a real-time way to, to talk about the issues affecting our community. And I also saw that a lot of the stuff in the few trans blogs we had at the time wasn't centered on our culture. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, the cult, you know, so because as we all know in this room, transitions are different for us versus our white counterparts yeah and as a and have a whole lot of different issues attached to it you know even from the beauty tips and stuff absolutely yeah they are geared toward you know white centric they they have foundations that that match their skin color yeah (laughs) Yeah, exactly we only just got that we only just got it thanks to the cis women fighting for it and bless you rihanna (laughs) (laughs) and bless you rihanna for fenty beauty Mm, and the whole just the whole movement the natural hair movement that you know just cis women doing the fucking work and really wearing it out and Breaking down doors to get these motherfucking people to, yeah, to <laughs> expand. See, see yeah, us. fashion mm-hmm. fair and all that. Because so. I thought I was going to be orange forever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> orange and be yellow. Yeah, too yellow. Either orange or too bright. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Super or bright. it's too dark for me. Or I can say or I overdid it and overcorrected <laughs> and it was too light uh-huh. or whatever. But, but long story yeah, but long story short, getting back to the blog. Mm-hmm. Um, so... It's November, you know, I say 2005, and I'm kicking the idea around of mm-hmm. creating the blog. And my homegirl, Jordana Lassane, uh, is pushing. She said, look, your butt needs to start this blog. And you, I say, for some of you who, who may not know who Jordana is, she's the person who wrote the, you know, say the music for the C.C. McDonald. Mm. Um, yes, nice. a documentary that um, Laverne produced. Yeah, yeah okay. Laverne produced. Oh. And so, you know, we're good friends. And she's like, "So, when are you going to start this blog?" And she knows if I start getting buried in another project, I'm gonna put it to the side and then forget about it. So I, she badgered me for a month until I said, "Okay, okay, I'm gonna start the blog." When? <laughs> I, mean, I said, "Okay, New Year's Day." When we need these, <laughs> these are the New type Year's of friends Day. we need. Yeah, yes. New Year's Day. I said so. New Year's Day, two thousand six. I wrote the first po- uh, post on it. So it took me kind of a while to figure out your voice. You know the voice on that, and and what I wanted to do with it because you know at first it acted as a kind of an adjunct to the blog, and then. You know, I actually started commenting on a lot of the local politics and stuff in Louisville and the region, you know, and the mm-hmm. say, and that uh, Midwest region. Right. Um, and then eventually started, and then I started thinking about the fact that, okay, Africa is the second largest continent on the planet. We, we always hear about trans issues are going on in Europe. 
We know about, you know, Thailand and what's going on in Asia, but it's hardly talked about, you know, in, you know, the African diaspora in, in Africa right. itself, the Caribbean, Caribbean. you know, because, you know, you actually had a trans woman that transitioned in uh, Trinidad named Joel D'Souza, mm-hmm. you know, who's doing some amazing stuff. She's an animal rights activist down there mm-hmm. um, or some of the, you know, or some of the other folks in Jamaica, you know, like our good friend. You know, like our good friend Niche McGlain, right. you know, um, who, you know, who pops up at BTAC from time to time. Yeah. And hope, you know, hope he comes this year, gets a chance to come this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then some of the African af- activists who were doing some amazing stuff, like organizing their own conferences down there. But right. they're rarely talked about. Yeah. And so, yeah, so it was nice to, you know, when I stumbled across these stories to be able to talk about them. And then, you know, I say, because I have a mom who is, you know, say a historian, my godmother, I say, is also a historian who the local chapter of the Afro-American History Society is named after, Pearl Sewell. Yeah, that's my godmother. So I spent a lot of time at her house looking through all those books (laughs) that Mm -hmm. she had. In her house, okay. you know, in her house as, you know, as a history teacher and at the collegiate level. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where my love of history came from, from my mom and my grandma, uh, my godmother. You actually come mm-hmm. from, since we're, we're, you led there, mm-hmm. you actually come from a legacy of activism and community building yeah. when it comes to, like, your father. Yeah. So Rick Robert was a radio giant here in Houston which is your dad. Mm -hmm. At the time, black radio was not recognized in the radio ratings, um, radio research, et cetera. And there was only actually two black radio stations here in Houston. KCOH and KYOK. They were the only radio station that did black programming at the time. And Rick Robert was one of one of the radio hosts there, and he actually is the first African American in the nation to do live play-by-play football broadcasting. Yeah, wow. And so, what what we know about radio at this time, radio personalities were integral to um, community movements because they would be the one who would talk about um, the little leagues, the rallies that were going on. And so he was one of the people in Houston that was like a superstar here in Houston. Matter of fact, uh, Mm. my dad's papers are at the Afro-American, on the University of Indiana's campus Mm -hmm. uh, in Bloomington. So um, a lot of his papers are there. Yeah, uh, so you come from a legacy of community builders from your mom to your dad. And and Hellraisers. Um, (laughs) Matter of fact, one of the things that my dad did um, was lead a strike Mm-hmm. at the station that not only knocked it off the air for 30 days but it was to get the radio company at the time to allow uh black black people to be able to work in the stations in sales it, as general managers as program directors because at the time mm-hmm. they would only allow black people to be djs to be they the entertainers not, yeah oh. they wouldn't allow them to actually run the station or be in the sales force you know in sales forces and they struck successfully for that right um and then you know on my mom's side I said, you know, because, you know, my Mississippi, yeah, I do have a Mississippi background as well. Come on um, now, Mississippi. Mom, yeah, mom, 
Yeah, mom was born in Mississippi. What part? Uh, um, my, a lot of my relatives are in Yazoo City. Yeah. It'll be yeah, yeah, the Delta. The Delta. Come yeah. on now. So my, I say, so my grandfather and his three brothers and his brothers beat up the sheriff. They was they were so they were such <laughs> badasses that they beat up the local kids, the local sheriff in mm. Yazoo County. Wow. And. Because he pissed them off. <laughs> and so, of course, this being the 40s, mm-hmm. and and we all oh. know the reputation of Mississippi at that time. Beat up a sheriff, uh, so they were told that they either needed to leave the state or join the military since World War II was just getting started, mm-hmm. or else they would be found, you know, swimming in the Delta, in the Delta. Yeah. Uh, so that's my, why my grandfather, you know, packed up my mom and my, you say my uncle and my, I uh, say my, uh, my, my grandmother Luella and they ended up in Dallas. Yeah. And they ended on. up in Dallas. And then my grandfather started working for Continental Airlines and ended up being transferred down here to Houston. Uh, so and, how does, how does that, how does that inform and lead to the Monica Roberts that we see today? How does well, that? How does it inform how you maneuver in the world? Well, because you know my dad was who he was, and I was the firstborn kid. I was the one that dad took to meet the college professors and the politicians of the day, <laughs> and the movers and shakers. You know, and all the movers and shakers. So I got very comfortable being around. You know, say, you know, say. So. It, it came in handy later because I'm not phased by being around, you know, say these people now when I have to lobby in front of them. Right. Okay. Um, and I know I can hold my own with just about anybody, mm. at this, as some of these folks have found out the hard way <laughs> when they cross <laughs> me online. But um, and we'll talk about that. A we'll bit talk later. about that a little bit later. <laughs> but um, tell me in your early stages of mm-hmm. transition, because you transitioned in '94, '94, which will be. 25 years on uh, April 4th. Yes, uh, coming up. Come on, yeah, 25 years. Yeah. Ow. I wa- <laughs> so. I walked in. To say, you know, I was working for the airlines. Um, and basically, before I got to that point, um, I was just at a crossroads. Mm-hmm. And I knew that I wasn't going to muddle through another decade of just... Mm-hmm. I was just tired of it. Mm. And so I was, so I had just come out of a bad relationship with a flight attendant. Um, and How long we were in a relationship? We were in like three years. Mm-hmm. Okay. Was it a cis woman or a cis man? Cis woman. Okay. okay. Oh, okay. So, so this is before you transitioned? Before I transitioned. Oh, okay. uh, and so there was another, I say there was another flight attendant that I knew, um, her name's Max Farrington, uh, Maxine Farrington. Uh, she was a model back in the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was. A, I'll say she had some major campaigns. Um, and so I asked her out for a date, and she ba- and we were good friends and stuff. And she's like, she told me straight up, I don't date my sisters. And I went, <laughs> she said, I see you. what? She, she said, I, I went, see you, honey. What? And I went, what? I said, don't even front. I know. I say. From my modeling days, I know four transsexual women. Three, uh, I say they're uh, my best friends. So, and you, I say, when are you going to deal with it and come on out of the closet? And I say, so Maxine Farrington 
basically put the match to the closet door. <laughs> and so and so I was actually going to wait until my birthday to officially transition, but I got so impatient. You know, I had my uniforms, I had the new badges and all this other stuff. And so one day, one weekend, I went as the old person. And that Monday after my days off, I came at to work as Monica. So mm. that was the longest Ooh. week of my work life. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. Um, How was it? Like, it, what, what, what year was this? This was 1994. 1994, okay. What did they get? Um, so it was, it was just the fact that I had already worked there seven years. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. And just having to deal with all the unknown variables of being in that, you know, say being in that workspace as me. So, you know, one of them being just how bad sexism is, right? <laughs> you um. know, um, but I uh, say, so, and also being the the lead story in, uh, as I call the uh, rumor mill, I call uh, the rumor mill at Continental CNN, so uh, <laughs> Continental News Network, being the lead story in that for about a month. But tell me, mm-hmm. being that your father was such a pillar mm-hmm. of you know of the community in mm-hmm. Houston and taking you around, showing you off as a, mm. you know, when you were younger. The firstborn, yeah. Yeah, firstborn child. And, you know, that leads, that implies something and leads to something. Did you did you feel that there was a, I know there had to be some type of pressure to live up to a certain standard. How did you and him reconcile that? Yeah. And then add being the child of a teacher on top right. of that. And a teacher who is an AKA. Mm. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. So... We, I'd say we, we already had a contentious relationship at, you know, say at before I transitioned and mm-hmm. it finally, you know, we finally had a conversation about a year before, I'd say probably about a year before he died mm-hmm. uh, in 2013, where he was lamenting the loss of his quote unquote son. Right. And which, which parents tend to do. Yes. Yeah, when they they lament the, the 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 child that they quote unquote lost, the dream, they the had. dream, that, and mm-hmm. the dreams they had, and my dad was recounting all the dreams he had. Well, you know, I had plans for you, and you could have been, you know, in the city council or state legislature or even, you know, even I say Congress. And but I said, <laughs> and I turned around and I showed him my phone. Which had, you know, which had phone numbers from four different Congress members at the time. Mm-hmm. And I said, what makes you think I don't have power and influence now? How old are you? Come on now. Yeah. And this was, this was in 2013, mm-hmm. 2012 when I had this conversation. Oh, okay. And I said, I have a blog. And I was, ta- and I was talking about Transgrio. And I said, my blog right now just hit its five millionth visitor. I said I had, you know, and at the time I had like about probably 8,000 followers on Twitter at the time. Mm-hmm. I'm up to like 16,000. Thanks, Turfs. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I said, you know, I, I said I have influence now. I said, but to in order to be able to do the stuff that you are talking about, I had to become my true self. Amen. 
had to be Monica. I had to be Monica. Because right. uh, the joke that you know, I was told like six months into the transition to say, don't take this the wrong way, but we like Monica better than we like the other person. Because <laughs> you're happier and more uh, out, you know, outgoing now than you were before transition. Because it's like, say, you always seem like you were brooding about something and stuff. Yeah, I say, yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> same. You know, same here. Because um, Max had that same question. It was like, uh, she finally saw me. Because I actually, because when I was working the gates, mm-hmm. so, mm. you know, so I had 30, and at that time, we had 30,000 people a day coming through Terminal C. Mm-hmm. So... So she comes off of one of her flights and she sees me at the podium. She says, about time, but we need to talk. (laughs) And so so we end up having a conversation where she thought that, you know, because, you know, we had literally had the conversation two months before our transition. She thought I hadn't thought it through yet. I said, trust me, I've been thinking about how, when and how long it's a and kind of and, you know, it's a tendency for us Tauruses to kind of analyze every angle before we make a move mm-hmm. you know and uh because you want to make sure it's perfect yeah and well not only that it's just made sure that you know this was what i was supposed to do and don't you know like i said the only regrets that i have when people ask me if i have regrets i regret i couldn't have started it sooner mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> you know, me too. but um but yeah it's you know but about and say probably about after about a month where I was literally having one-on-one conversations with a lot of my coworkers at the time. Mm-hmm. We even had two people that came out at, you know, and as part after of, you? yeah, they had two people that came out after me. So it's as funny how when mm-hmm. people ask, um, especially in regards to like the me too movement mm-hmm. and you know, people are coming out of the woodworks telling what happened to them. Mm-hmm. And then people will ask, well, why they wait this long? And da, 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 da. What happens is when one person does it, other people feel empowered. Mm-hmm. And it, they get the yeah, they yeah. get the courage. Like, Oh, yeah. if this person can do it. Boom. I can come out and do it. And, and yeah. it's, it seems like that all the time. I remember when yeah. I was at Jackson state, mm-hmm. it when when I started to, live on a campus and do what I need to do other people's like oh my god we can be free like mm-hmm. oh if she is doing it shit mm-hmm. my, my regular gay self I can be what I want to be mm-hmm. and do and it just started to be yeah, yeah, and then it's you know snowballs it snowballs into yeah, a bigger just, picture yeah. and it's just once yes and then all I did was after that once I got that out of the way I just put my head down and started doing my job yeah. so you so I was happy mm-hmm with with the exposure of the com- that the community has gotten over the years and the the footage of discrimination and violence towards the uh, the transgender community and now that there are a lot of trans people that have huge platforms do you feel like it is it's helping the community or it's making it easier for people to target us mixed bag um because Historically, uh, ever since Christine Jorgensen stepped off that airplane in La- at um, JFK back in 1953, a lot of 
the uh, so you know if you are if you're a new listener and you don't know who Christine Jorgensen is, Christine Jorgensen is the first white trans woman in the United States mm-hmm. to go over to Europe and get a sex change and come back. Yeah. She was a military guy at the time and it was super super sensationalized. So for her to go over there and get it not the first person to get a sex change but the first American mm-hmm. trans girl white mm-hmm. to get a sex change and come back yeah. and yeah, it just was a. It was it, crazy. It was yeah. That news was so sensationalized that mm-hmm. the, it blew a nuclear test off the, the front off page. Off the front page. Yes. Yeah. So since you know, ever since then, a lot of the narrative around transition, I say, especially from a trans feminine end and even trans masculine end, has been wrapped around whiteness mm-hmm. and white people. Um, and also the transition protocols at the time, um, called for us to basically transition, hide, never let anybody know that you're trans, you know, even call for you to, you know, move away from your hometown and, you know, say, and just form a new life where nobody knew who you were. That was a standards of care. Yeah, like and that, that was, was that's sta- what doctors recommended you to for do. For us to do. To survive. Well, on, let's say, to me, that, that was problematic in a lot of ways because you can't build community from a closet. Come on now. Okay, because... Okay, if you've got this nice woman, you know, down the street doing a lot of wonderful things in the community or, you know, this, you know, petite guy who may be doing some wonderful things with the brothers and sisters, with kids and stuff, you know, teaching them how to, you know, say whatever that. Okay. And they happen to be trans. We don't they say the community at large, the cis community at large doesn't know that if they don't know if you're they, trans, if they don't know we're trans. Mm-hmm. And so that's why, you know, let's say the late Sarah De Palma, who just passed away, another one of our mm-hmm. Houston, you know, elders and one of my activist mentors, why we were started pushing in the late 80s to be out and visible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's no coincidence that as we became out and visible, our rights, human rights struggle advanced. Right. You know, mm. because we were bold. And, you know, so because we were basically saying we're here, we're not going anywhere. Uh, deal with it. Uh, right. The fact is that, you know, we have, you know, human rights and stuff that you need to deal with. Right. Um, and. Trans rights are international human rights. And, you know, for the black community and the black community also needs to learn that black trans people are black people. You know, when we advance, the black community advances. The sooner y'all get that through your heads, the better. Mm -hmm. Is there. Do you think that there is a it, it, the parallels that I see when I think about that the the whether stealth is, was a good thing or a bad thing mm-hmm. is when we talk about um, passing black people who pass for white mm-hmm. and they just went off and because because of how black people were treated at the time that mm-hmm. this was a, this was a thing it was so horrible that passing for white was just a whole a whole different world 
you being able to be white and get the privileges of whiteness when slavery was going on, it meant the difference of you being a slave and you being free. So at or, that time, or facing Jim Crow segregation or, or not. So mm-hmm. at that time, totally get it. I totally get why, because the situation was dire. It was like backbreaking slavery or fucking whiteness. And I can or see why you make it life or yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I can understand why making that decision in that moment. But once we got a little bit further, a little bit further, I felt like there was a time for a change. And it's a, it's 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 the same thing that I think with transness. Mm-hmm. It's like when it was we could be killed, when we can go to prison, when it was laws on the books that said you can go to jail. Or sometimes they didn't even send you to prison. They sent you to a mental institution for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. So when you when it was that time being stealth, I totally get it. Yes, because it was life or death situation that you would be in if you didn't choose to go assimilate. But once we got a little bit of footing, once we got a little bit of leeway and wiggle room to make some rights happen, that's when it's time to say, hey, I'm a trans person. Hey, what's up? I'm here. And. It's, this is not illegal anymore, and you need to see me doing the normal things, quote unquote, um, that we are out here doing. Mm-hmm. And it's to, and to me, Some? I think that was necessary. I think that the the shift, the assimilating first, and then getting in there, because Athea Garrison wouldn't have been where she was if they knew her T. She wouldn't have got elected. Prob- yeah, probably in 19, you know, say in that time period. She 92? Probably, yeah, that 90, 92 period, she probably wouldn't have got if elected. If they knew she was trans. No. She, she had known. to assimilate and no. and keep and be stealth mm-hmm. in order to get elected and for the Boston Globe yeah. to expose her. Yeah. When they exposed her, then it's like, oh my God, blah, 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 blah. But I'm in here now and I, and I serve for a year. Now, you know, say, now co- compare and contrast that with when Andrea Jenkins and and I say, and Philippe Cunningham in ran, Minnesota, in, in Minneapolis, Minneapolis, ran for city council, mm-hmm. both of them, and successfully won. One. And Philippe's race was actually harder. Right. Philippe was taking on a 20-year incumbent who was the president of the Minneapolis City Council. Mm. In addition to that, you know, the her, uh, Philippe's opponent. Their, her family had held that seat for a combined total of 50 years. Mm, so damn. Philippe's, you know, Philippe winning was even more impressive. Right. You know, as a, on the face of it, you know, say, you know, both, as a, but also you also look at the fact that both Andrea and Philippe were eminently qualified for, the for position. their positions because mm-hmm. you know both of them worked in city government both of them that worked for the mayors they had done at least a decade's worth of policy work so they were walking so you know so their constituents knew that when they elected Andrea and Philippe they were getting some outstanding folks right. you know and who would be ready day one and they have proven that you know to the point where Andrea was elected to be the vice president of the Minneapolis city council. And, you know, Philippe is sitting on some major committees. You know, he got some major committee assignments. So, and they're still doing some amazing work. And that wouldn't have happened if Mm. people, if Althea Garrison and people prior to them, Mm -hmm. and not just in the political realm, Mm -hmm. other areas that allowed 
people like us, whether it be queer people, and we get, mm-hmm. and look, I we know we mad at him right now, mm-hmm. but even like a RuPaul yeah. getting to his level of success, mm-hmm. we know he's not trans, but that him elevating that what that drag situation. Mm-hmm him elevating that to the mainstream mm-hmm. also allow for us to come in and say hey we are here now we're not that <laughs> but we're similar to that mm-hmm. and let's talk about it the difference and um, between a trans woman and, and a drag and queen a drag and a cross dresser it gave us an into the converse, the national discourse or I say or the situations when like Monica Beverly Hills mm-hmm. basically now she was transitioning and Carmen I say Carrera. and Carmen Carrera mm-hmm. and some of the other you know say trans folks who have actually and then you know we are able to have the conversation about uh, trans women also being involved in the drag world, and uh, we've also we and, and that's happened for a long time mm-hmm. because there's sometimes that we had people in our communities that would use the drag world as their you know stepping stone their their way to basically get the transition in under the radar mm-hmm. because you know they may have come from families that wouldn't have accepted them straight up saying mom dad i'm trans but you know but everybody has seen flip wilson do geraldine Mm -hmm. and you know doing drag as geraldine jones on the Mm -hmm. flip wilson show and and you say and 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 seen and if you were in chicago you'd been to finney's ball where you saw all the drag Mm -hmm. artists getting i say say, and the balls so it was a part of the city yeah, entertainment. Part of, part Most of big cities had some type of entertainment that revolved around yeah. gender bending, mm-hmm. drag, and everybody wasn't on no, this is just, I'm a man, but this is just entertainment. Mm-hmm. There was sometimes, mm-hmm. but there was people who were living that queer life, who was living as women and playing with the idea of that. And it's all of these people. Lady Java. Lady Java. Mm-hmm. We talked about her last week. A lot of these people... It, it, and that's why it was kind of a, not necessarily a spit in the face, but that's why when people talk about how amazing, um, um, was given the rise to what's the white girl, um, Republican, Jenner. Oh, um, oh, Caitlyn. Caitlyn Jenner. Jenner. Oh, Caitlyn. <laughs> when, when I never think of her. When she kind of, you know, when to, she was but. blowing up. <laughs> There were so many people that paved the way for this person to be able to have the freedom that mm-hmm. to do that. There's people who are living this life. Me. Who's you? One of them. <laughs> Me. <Yeah. laughs> y'all, because y'all was doing it before. Everybody is so many people who were already doing it mm-hmm. that from eighteen hundreds and taking yeah you know, say and taking the slings and arrows for doing it for doing it because we used to have until nineteen eighty in Houston a anti cross dressing ordinance where the nanosecond that you hit the sidewalk dressed in female clothes, HPD could arrest you. Wow. And if you were a female wearing fly front jeans because you know when I was growing up here they actually used to sell jeans that women's jeans that had zippers on the on the hip. Uh-huh. And if wow. they wore fly front jeans, they would arrest you for it. The women. Yeah, arrest oh, the women wow. for that. So wow. 
So yeah, literally, I said I didn't realize that that law was in effect the first time I hit Studio Thirteen. Mm-hmm. You know, had you know, say had a vice squad officer caught me that night that I was dressed in femme, mm-hmm. I could have been arrested. That law wasn't erased until August of that year. Mm. So. So, so yeah, we had a lot of yeah you know, yeah we had a lot of cities that had anti cross dressing ordinances on the book until literally the early eighties. That's crazy. Oh my God! I want to thank all of our new patrons this week. Thank you! Thank you! Thank you! So not only are you helping to sustain this particular podcast, you know, I also donate to other podcasts. I donate to other organizations. I have my finger on the post of the community. And I know a lot of grassroots organizations that are doing great work out here. So you're not only helping to sustain us, you're helping to sustain other people in a community. Because I put my money where my mouth is. You know, that's just the kind of bitch I am. Community is fuck. (laughs) So thank you. I really, really appreciate you. And if you have not become a patron, why have you not? You can donate as low as a dollar a month. It doesn't matter. Anything helps. Please. Do I have to play Sarah McLaughlin and show you puppies? Like, what do I have to do? Do I have to do resort to what the white people do to get you to give them money? All righty. Anyway, thank y'all. And the Patreon and PayPal link is at the bottom. Back to the show. Well, speaking of ordinances, Anise Parker was mayor 2010 through 2015. Houston was the largest city to elect a lesbian mayor with strong help from the trans community. And upon her election, Anise created HERO, stands for Houston Equal Rights Ordinance, as ordinance that covers trans protecting protection in Houston employment and public accommodation. It passed May 2014. Hero was repealed in 2015, so we no longer have protection in Houston. Can you tell us about your your worst transphobic encounter? Actually, um, the worst encounter I had was more along the lines of a potential assault. If I hadn't been paying attention, it was like two years into my transition and there used to be a gender clinic down in Galveston that, you know, that's how I did my transition. We used to have one stop shop uh, gender clinics where you had the the psychology, you know, the gender certified psychologist, the endocrinologist and even the surgeons in one you know, oh, one spot. Yeah. So, and we, you know, we actually had one of those down in Galveston. I uh, still do. Yeah. Houston. Yeah. Actually down. Um, so I was coming back from my appointment and hanging out with a trans, you know, with a, with a trans friend of mine, mm-hmm. you know, cause at that point I lived in Southwest Houston off Woodfair. Um, and I'd been picking up a little weight off the, you know, actually I picked up a lot of weight off the, you know, when I first started uh, HRT. How much? Shoot, I had blown up to like 275 at one point. Oh. Yeah. Uh, Normally, my normal weight is somewhere around 230, 240 range. Mm -hmm. So, so that particular night, I'm like, 
I'm only five blocks from home and I can, I, I need to walk some of this off, <laughs> you know? So, so it's like, you know, and if you've been on that stretch of Bissonette between Gessner and, uh, you know, and 59, mm-hmm. usually there's not a whole lot of traffic between there and then it picks up on the other side. Uh, so, so I'm like halfway so I'm like almost I'm probably about halfway between the two. And I see this car slow down. And I'm dressed, you know, I'm dressed really yes, you know, I'm I'm dressed for my appointment. I I was actually in a nice dress, heels <laughs> and you know, and but she was by a hostel. But you know, by mm, wood freaking club. Yeah. Wood wood yeah. Wood, yeah. wood fair at Club <laughs> Creek. This yeah. was this is a whole straw area, mm-hmm. and it's cis women that hold on this this street, and it's trans women that hold on this street. street. Yeah. But how uh, long has this whole straw been there? This it's going on right now. It's going on right now. <laughs> but, that you know, but, but, we yeah. got a spot. But anyway, <laughs> when hard times girl, get hard, girl gotta eat. <laughs> <laughs> but long story, you say. So I'm walking, and this car rolls up with four guys in it. They slow down. They look. And then they kind of turn in the, you know, the, the the U-turn lane and start heading eastbound. They slow down again. And then they they go down to where the fire station is. And at this point, something is telling me, get the heck out of this situation now. And so I play it off like I'm going across the street to, you know, to that particular apartment complex. And then I hide out. I watched these guys park where I needed to walk to get home. To make it worse, the, the, the next bus is not coming for at least 20 minutes. Mm. So I'm trying to wait these guys out. <laughs> and it turns, you know, it turns out they gave up first. They gave up first, and I watch them drive off eastbound, and I wait for them to literally get out of my line of sight before I emerge from my hiding place. Mm. And bus comes about five minutes later. Mm-hmm. And I have no doubts that if I hadn't done that, I probably would have been assaulted. Mm-hmm. And once they found a little surprise in my panties they weren't expecting, Very. that assault would have gotten a lot worse to right. the point where I may not be sitting here right, right now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and at that time I was like probably 33 mm-hmm. <laughs> at that time. Um, So that's probably the worst. But that that situation taught me that. One, I can no longer walk the streets of Houston at night by myself. Like I used to be able like to. Like I used to be able to. Mm-hmm. The second thing it taught me was listen to your instincts. Right. When you know, say when your instincts are screaming at you to get out of a situation, they're telling you it it's it's your mind is telling you that for a reason. Well, mm-hmm. at least you listen yeah. to it. And this yeah. was before Hero, right? Okay, yeah. This yeah, this was well before. Yeah, Hero. this was way before Hero. This was like in the nineties. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's a blog post I wrote in which I talk about the night I almost became a hate crime victim. Mm-hmm. So okay. you can go into the uh, archives and read, you know, read the story on that. But, but that uh, shows how much how important keeping that ordinance in play. Hero. Right. 
Like just simple stuff like that. Like a trans woman being able to walk down the street. Like I know cis women fear for the same thing, but for trans women, it's a little different. It's a little yeah. well, more we, complex. We have the same fears. Uh, there, there are yeah. a lot of there are a lot of situations where cis women and trans women have to deal with the same crap. Uh, mm. We have to deal with Most. sexism in the workplace. Mm. We have we have the worry about getting sexually assaulted. Um, there are a lot of uh, commonalities with cis women and trans women. Mm. In which we, you know, we actually have avenues if they would wake up in some cases where we could actually partner together to work on those issues. Mm -hmm. Um, But you all, you know, but you have. Because I do think mm -hmm. that there's a correlation Mm -hmm. between what the CDC just recently released, Mm -hmm. but we all know Mm -hmm. um, CDC said that when it comes to racial demographics, black women the one of the leading cause of death is intimate partner homicide. Mm-hmm. They are the most likely out of all demographics to be murdered by their intimate partner. We are mm-hmm. we talked about this before. Mm-hmm. And I think personally if there was some research done, but we know that people don't put money behind research I can t- in I regards can tell you to just from the all the murders that I've tracked Mm-hmm. Probably about sixty percent of them are intimate, intimate partner, partner relationship. Violence. When mm-hmm. it comes to trans women, mm-hmm. so yeah. there is. I know that there is a correlation yeah. between mm-hmm. cisgender women being murdered by their intimate partners mm-hmm. and transgender women being murdered by their intimate mm-hmm. partners. Yeah, and but with cisgender women, it's just chalked up to oh, they're feisty, they have an attitude, they mm-hmm. were in drugs, drug mm-hmm. situations, and that they were living in bad. Neighborhoods and probably mm-hmm. was it was probably a drug deal gone wrong. She was or a hoe anyway. Yeah. She was a prostitute and he mm-hmm. probably was her pimp. Uh-huh. And whatever the situation, they blame it on so, something yes. to blame her for being in the situation, a, a lifestyle she that dressed, she chose. She was dressed the wrong way. Uh-huh. Blah blah. And then us, the same thing. She tricking but, people. Tricking he, people. No, he tricking, he tricking people. people. Um, he was a prostitute. Mm-hmm. He probably was having a client and they killed the client, or he uh-huh. probably was tricking somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, and da 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 da. These there is a correlation between these two entities, yeah. two mm-hmm. narratives going on, and they are being dismissed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and because masculinity we, does play harm a large, <laughs> a large role harm into role. This, harmful role, um, right. because most of the times where I because it's like I can t- I can't tell you how many times I've been in situations where minding my own business and some brother is sitting up there trying to hand me his phone number you know wow um oh it it was one night that that it still sticks out in my mind where i was coming home from you know from the airline job and i'm on the bus for that long ride back out to southwest houston Mm -hmm. and there used to be this was it the 102 then too still no it was uh yeah I'm telling you, yes, but I had to change to the 65 bits and that yeah. used to run, you know, before the rail, like rail line. Right. And so there used to be this club that was right on the corner of Elgin and Main called um, Uptown Downtown. Mm-hmm. And it was a, you know, it was a black gay club. And so these two, you know, young trans girls, you know, who are early in their transition, probably about, you know, say, uh, 
they get on the bus, mm-hmm. you know, they're minding their own business, and these two hard heads with Jerry curls in the back of the bus talking trash. Like, <laughs> uh, God made Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. You know, all these women in the world, and they want to go dress up like girls. You know, uh. you know, you know, and you know, and I'm sitting up here, whatever, fool. You know, and. Uh-huh. I don't want y'all. I want this fine sister over here. And they're talking about me. And I'm wow. like, <laughs> really? Yeah, I'm like, you know, you know, I, said, I gave him the reaction like, uh, you know, I said, like, I looked at him like he was at Eric LaSalle from Soul, it said, in, uh, Soul with the Soul Glow commercial. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, really? And so he's he's still on this riff about, you know, transsexual this transsexual that he can't stand the blah 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 the abominations blah 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 you know it probably hadn't been in church in probably two years and if that if that (laughs) (laughs) and so i get a couple of blocks from my stop and he hands me his phone number and so i wait till we get ready to you know the bus gets ready to pull up to the stop so i go Ladies and gentlemen, this person who has been loudly railing against trans women and dogging them out just gave his phone number to one. I went ripped his phone number up. (laughs) (laughs) Are you bold? (laughs) Yeah, but somebody got to do it. (laughs) Amen. I mean, somebody got to do it because shoot, you know this one. I say this woman ran into. I say ran into. um, I say you don't want to run into my bad side. Um. Especially when I'm minding my own business, um, which we normally w- are. Yeah, which we normally <laughs> yes. are. So it was like two weeks ago. Um, I was I was downtown at you know Metro headquarters downtown. And I was putting some money on my cue uh, card, and so I'm in line waiting, you know, to do my transaction and just get away and you know, do live my life. And this this black woman was sitting up here waiting to use the bathroom. You know, which they've made uh, unisex fine. They made gender neutral finally. Ha ha. Well, surprise, surprise. But um, so she all of a sudden makes this comment. That's a man. And I look and I guess she thought that I was just going to ignore the comment. But I was in the mood to play this day. <laughs> you had time. <laughs> yeah, I had time. I had time today. I had time today. <laughs> so. I look at her, and so my reaction to that is, when you come for me and I didn't send for you, I'm going to flip the misgendering script on you. So since this was a woman trying this, my reaction to her was, what did you say, sir? And she went, ah! And then, and then it's amazing to see how fast they get indignant when you flip the your misgendering script on them. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. uh, for cis, you know, for cis, I, I, I'm not a man, I'm a woman. I say it's hard for me to tell right now, sir. <laughs> and and then I went on this rant, and I was like, I am sick and tired, and me and the Houston trans community are sick and tired of people in our own community. What y'all was like? I, I just went on this rant, yeah. and I said, and I guess I got so loud in that moment. Three metro cops came over there to watch mm-hmm. the fun, you know. The, the, the basically makes, and then she turned around and she made this threat to me, like I kick you. I said, and I and I turned around. I said, I hope you packed the lunch. I said, because you think I'm scared of you. I said, wow. I lobby. I said, I lobby right wing Republicans. You think I'm scared of your little behind? <laughs> <laughs> and so 
It, so at one point, I almost got thrown out because uh, they caught me mouthing the word bitch. Yeah. <laughs> you know, to, tell me, tell me this. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but. I remember when I, when I first moved to the Southwest, mm-hmm. um, I met this girl and I interviewed her on my channel. Mm-hmm. And she was... Chanel. Who? Chanel. Not Chanel, no. Oh. Hell no. Um, <laughs> um, the girl who was at the Houston Library... And they were, or oh, they arrested her. Oh, yeah. I, know. I can't remember her name. She uh, was from Louisiana, but she lived in Houston. Yeah, I can't. And, her name escapes me, but I yeah. wrote it. But it's in the blog. Yeah, it y'all, is. Yeah, I say it's in the and, blog. And we, and this was during the ordinance. Yeah, like the bef- ordinance. It was, was actually before it started. Before yeah. it repealed. Yeah, it was actually before the ordinance was even conceived when this happened. Because I know about the incident you're talking about where she went to the library. Mm-hmm. She was minding her own doggone business, had to use the bathroom. Uh-huh. And then some rent-a-cop is going to basically walk and you know, say, basically goes and tells a Houston police officer that mm-hmm. there's, quote, unquote, a man using mm-hmm. the women's restroom. Right. Okay. When Anise first came into office... What she did was extended a policy that Mayor, you know, that the let's say that Mayor uh, Lee Brown had done, that allowed trans folks to use the restrooms based on 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 presentation in city facilities. You know, but it, that policy was originally just for city workers. Uh, niece had, you know, uh, said Mayor Parker basically expanded it to trans folks in the city of Houston. Right. Uh, and so. Now, I want y'all to understand. Listen to what she just said. Yeah. So it was passed to protect city workers. Mm-hmm. So you know that the reason it why they needed to. It was basically an executive order. Because okay. there was city working trans. Yeah. It was an, yeah. There was an exception. <laughs> they yeah. needed that kind of exception. Yeah. They were an, doing great work in the community already. Yeah. But so it was, the Yeah. Right. It was an exception. You know, so it was an, that executive order was expanded to, you know, to trans folks within the city of Houston. Mm-hmm. So this home, but homegirl didn't know that. All she was doing was just being messy. Mm-hmm. And that's what led to her arrest. And then so when that election happened, Anise got reelected. She's on her last term. You know, she's on her last two-year term. Right. So at this point, she decides, okay, it's politically safe enough for me to go ahead and try to pass Hero. Right. And so that was when myself, Dee Dee Waters, and a few other black trans folks all showed up at that first city council meeting of 2014. And we basically said to, you know, the city council members and Mayor Park at the time said, look, because of these incidents like this that keep happening to us, this is why that when you finally do start putting together the Houston Equal Rights Ordinance and all these 15 categories, sexual, I mean, gender identity and expression needs to be one of those 15 categories. Right. And if it ain't and we will not accept any Houston Equal Rights Ordinance or proposed ordinance that doesn't have this category in it. Right. Because we have the evidence that it is needed and it is necessary. Because, you know, we also had had at that time, there was a, there was a legal case with a trans-Latina mm-hmm. who uh, had been working, you know, say, who had gotten a job offer from an, a River Oaks Imaging. Mm-hmm. And when she showed up to do the final interview, all of a sudden they rescinded the offer. 
And the case actually went to federal court and they settled it out of court. They settled it out of court because she was on track to win it. You know, right. yeah, she was on uh, she was on track to win that uh, court case. But um, but we'd had more than a few instances where people also were, you know, say were being denied housing. You know, um, you know, for and so I told y'all when I first came here and I was homeless with fifty seven dollars in my pocket, I couldn't stay in the Star of Hope, which was the women's homeless shelter, and I couldn't stay. I don't remember what the guys was, what the name was, but I couldn't stay in the guys ones, and I could not stay in the LGBT one unless I had HIV and I wasn't positive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So oh. I didn't have anywhere to go. Yeah. <laughs> anywhere that I, in my need of, in my time of need to go to yeah. anywhere as yeah. a trans woman, as a healthy trans woman. Yeah. That's um yeah. I just took my right to be Yeah, it is. <laughs> but be that wolf. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, but, but you know, I just supposed to be yeah, an ad. Yeah, it's just supposed to be an ad and give me a hotel. <laughs> yeah. But it, you know, but uh it's that's why you know that's why we fought tooth and nail to make sure that the uh, hero covered us. But and and, and everybody, it, it wasn't just an LGBTQ ordinance as it was painted to be by Fox News, our right, right wing opposition, and then they settled on the bathroom you know the scare tactics when right. hell if you really want to ban people that are causing you know say predatory behavior you need to ban republicans out of uh, say, and pastors out of, pastor, <laughs> so out since, of behavior so since it was repealed in 2015 like mm-hmm. do you know how to go about to make that ordinance back into play again? well like, basically we actually had a we actually had a discussion about this about a week ago. Um, we just, you know, we have, uh, as of right now, we have a majority on city council. We could actually pass it again if we wanted to. Mm-hmm. We've okay. always had that ability to do it. It's just the problem that we've had is, as what happened last time, as what happened in 1984, we pass it, and then our opposition goes collects about you know a bunch of signatures because you know unfortunately Houston has a ridiculously low threshold to collect signatures on to put stuff on the ballot mm-hmm. and then they go demonize us and then it gets repealed mm. uh so now would you clock what she just said mm-hmm. 1980 1985 1985 and this just happened hero was 2014 mm-hmm. there have been people within i want y'all to understand that trans folks life expectancy is what right so since our since we're in the 30s that's 85 95 2005 2000 oh, 2015 that's 40 years, right? Yeah. 40 years. So there have been people who have lived and died through trying to get this ordinance taken mm-hmm. to the next level. Mm-hmm. And it's being back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Yeah. And one of, so, my, you know, mm-hmm. one of my first trips to lobby at the state legislature in 99, what we were trying to do at the time, one of the bills that we were trying to pass was one that would streamline the name chain process right. so that you didn't have to go in front of a judge to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, where, you know, say, because I got my name change done when I lived in Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And 
what all I had to do was fill out a one page form. Literally, you know, put the information down, you know, swear that all the information I put on that particular form was true and under penalty perjury, sign it, pay my fee, five to 10 days later, they mailed it to my house. Boom. Hmm. Uh, So we were trying to get the same kind of process here in Texas. We're still trying to get that bill passed. Right. Uh, matter of fact, that would be uh, awesome. Um, Garnett Coleman is once again trying to get that bill once again through this legislative session. Right. Because um, he's taken up that cost since. Which is 19- why it's yeah, really important to vote yeah. in your local elections. Elections. Mm-hmm. Yes. Your, lo- you say, your elections matter. And as I like to say, you cannot get liberal progressive policies. From conservative Republican politicians, right? right. Okay, and also the other thing, one, as a one of the reasons why it was so important that we elected those seventeen sister judges mm-hmm. is because Republican judges in Harris County were denying any name changes that we uh, petitions that we put mm-hmm. up. Anyone, yeah. anybody, you know, with no explanation, whatever. They would just do it. They they were just out of sheer spite. In some cases, spite. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're not doing it, or fear that they would get you know primary challenged in the Republican you know which was a very legitimate fear, uh, get primary challenged by another more right wing Republican judge. So we decided to take you know take that problem out of their hands and kick them all out. Yeah, <laughs> let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. So. How do you feel about the trans political climate now? What are your hopes for the future um, in this coming election in 2020? Um, Do you and who is your Democratic frontrunner right now for you in your mind? I know it's still too early, but who is who got a little bit of edge in in earning your vote? To me, Kamala Mm -hmm. Harris. Okay. Um, I have been watching Kamala Harris since she first got elected. to the California Attorney General in 2010. Mm-hmm. And she had a tough race to get that. Mm-hmm. She was opposed by every police group in California at the time. Right. The Republican Party sent Carl Rove to California to try to defeat her because they saw her as the next Obama. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, and I say, and FYI for you folks that are hating on Kamala Harris, she filed a bill to kill the trans panic defense at the federal level. Yep. Man. Yeah. <laughs> so y'all need to be paying attention because Bernie haven't done jack as much as you know, much as everybody holler about Bernie this and Bernie that Bernie really has not been there for the black community as a whole. Regardless of the fact that he put Nina Turner and Killer Mike in his campaign, that's just window dressing. Mm. Uh, you talk to the people in Vermont, the black people in Vermont who actually have seen Bernie Sanders, they, they say they will tell you that they get more love from their other senator, Pat Leahy, than they get from Bernie Sanders. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, that's something that the Sanders, uh, say the the Bernie Sanders bots don't tell you. What do you want to see within the next? Um, but yeah, you know, but yeah, you know, say but the we next na- we now policy ha- changes. We now have four 
trans folks who are elected to state legislatures. Well, you know Danica Rome in Virginia. They just elected two trans women in New Hampshire, and then there's Brianna Tatone in Colorado. Yeah. Uh, I would as a you know, and in addition to Andrea and Philippe up in you know the at the city council level. So there's no trans men. Philippe is the first black trans man to get elected to any office. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to see more trans people of color run for office. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I'm thinking about it. Um, mm-hmm. I'm actually thinking about it. And yeah, mm-hmm. I've been put, I say I've actually had some conversations with the Harris County party about it. Um, That's cool. Uh, it's, just that I'm in districts in which I am very happy with the representation I have right now. So, and then my mom made me promise not to run against any of her sorors. So, <laughs> <laughs> I know that's right. <laughs> so, but um, I would like to say one of the things that I also would like to see, I want to see a, you know, the Equality Act passed with strong protections covering trans youth and you know our trans kids because our trans kids are the next generation right mm-hmm. you know one of the things that i have seen over the last 25 years that you know let's say is this rapid growth in you know trans kids being able to come out and actually not be thrown out of their homes mm-hmm. right. you know um i would like to see more trans parents of color I would like to see more, you know, I would like to see, more, you know, because nine times out of ten, if you see a trans kid of color, they're in an adopted family. Hmm. Now, there are, mm-hmm. now, I, now I must call out, um, yeah. God, what is her name? Oh, you're talking about Deshaun Neal and Trinity? Yes. Yeah, okay, there is Deshaun. Yeah, there and are Par- some. And Parnell. Yeah, and Parnell. Um, there are some out here, really, out yeah. here doing work. Yeah. There's one that I met at the um, Gender Odyssey Conference. Yeah. So there are some black parents, especially black mamas, yeah. out here supporting fighting. their children yeah, and black. fighting for their children yeah. and educating for their children. Yeah, they're black mama bears. We would like we, to see more. We would like to see more. <laughs> we would like to see more black mama and papa bears. As, yeah. as we call parents of uh, trans kids. Um, Tell me this. What would you, go ahead. Yeah. Um, I would also like to see those policy changes at the state level, mm. at the state and city level. As of right now, we have over 200 jurisdictions that have non-discrimination laws that cover trans folks. And we have 17 states plus the District of Columbia. We need more. Right. All right, so our work's not done. Mm-hmm. Uh, even here in the Houston area, I would like to see transmasculine brothers step up to lead. Your True. trans sisters are always having to do it out of necessity. We, we, just like a black woman. <laughs> just need, like a black yeah. woman. True. They we, sitting back, not doing nothing, and we trying to do chilling, the work. We need, <laughs> we, we need you brothers to step up. Yeah. We need you brothers to step up and lead. And I also challenge all you Houston trans brothers to sh- take your butts up Interstate 45 to come meet the rest of your brothers from around the country and the world at BTAC this yeah, April. Definitely. <laughs> I yeah. love BTAC. So yeah. tell me Maybe this. BTAC is going to be everything this uh, April. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. So many people are saying they're going. Yeah. Anyway, 
So just like with the cis black community, there is a divide, especially in regards to different age brackets Mm -hmm. on how the future strategy should go. Um, when it comes to political change mm-hmm. or when it comes to community change. Yeah. You know, old folks are all about assimilation and um, the younger folks are about a new, kind of new, a new mindset. <laughs> well, it's always yeah. um, radical yeah. radical people in all the movements. Yeah, that's true. Uh, <laughs> true. <laughs> um, young people, young folks are usually, seems a little bit more having a mindset um, of separation and um, nonconformance to the binary strategy. Mm-hmm. What are some stances that you see that are the wedge between the younger and older community in the trans community? Um, this misguided myth that both parties are the same. Mm-hmm. Anybody that's been paying attention to the last 30, 40 years knows that that's a lie. When you say both political parties okay. are the same, they're not. Okay. Uh, because, okay, the best president ever for the trans community was the last one, yes. in Barack Obama. Definitely. He was a Democrat, people. The worst president ever is the one we got in office right now, that orange tyrant right now. Mm. Um, <laughs> we also, you know, we also have this divide in terms of the value, you know, this misguided uh, about how valuable voting is Mm -hmm. or voting is a waste of time. You know, I've heard some young activists say, I've even had to call some out at conferences about that. If Mm -hmm. voting is such a waste of time, why are the Republicans spending millions Mm -hmm. and doing all kinds of shady stuff to keep us from voting? Mm -hmm. I say basically voter suppression is what kept us kept, um, Stacey, uh, Stacey Abrams from becoming governor of Georgia. The first black woman uh-huh. governor. Yeah. Oh, and geez. voter suppression is probably what cost Andrew Gillum yep. as well. Um, and I would dare say voter suppression is probably what kept <laughs> Beto from becoming Senator Beto O'Rourke. And probably why yeah. Hillary yeah. didn't get it. Yeah, and Hillary as well, <laughs> it too. Ain't, it ain't yeah, that. Hillary. We want to take it back to the 60s. Yeah, we really want to take it back. Yeah, we really want to take that, but Voting is the most important tool in our activist toolbox. Yes, okay, you know, yes, we, we, you know, you know, street protest help to, you know, say to basically get the message out there. Uh, Yeah, there is something about grassroots organizing. But if you don't have people elected to enact that policy, Mm -hmm. all the rest of that is a waste of time. Right. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to. And my thing is, we know that it is just a tool. It is one of the tools that we use to create change. Mm -hmm. If you don't want to participate, you don't have to participate. If you don't want to know, but don't discredit it. Don't um, hinder and talk people out of it when we all know that these are just tools to make change. Like your way could not be voting. Your way could um, not be that situation. It, it, it could be organizing. It's, it's, yeah. It could be organizing. And yeah, that's we, your and we, contribution to the to the movement. But yeah. if you are um, talking against voting, I think you're being problematic. I think yeah. you're being um, I think you're being anti-black. <laughs> I think that you are because 
there are black people out here hustling and trying to get votes to make them happen so we we can get people in power to do what we need them to do mm-hmm. to move us forward. And if you're yeah. talking against it, I think that's problematic because you can still do the work that you that you are aligned with and you can still do the work that you think is powerful without hindering another side of the movement yeah to get where we, and we all need we all the tools we didn't get 17 um black women elected judges because in houston people, yeah in houston because people sat on their behinds no right okay uh and then you also have to think back to this you know to the uh, civil rights movement of the 60s what was one of the things that they were pushing for it wasn't marriage it was voting rights. Right. Mm-hmm. I said, Representative John Lewis took a beatdown at Selma for you to be able to vote. It's that important. Mm-hmm. It is that important. Who runs, who basically, you know, say, is writing the legislation that governs you matters. And you would rather have somebody who does have your interest at heart, even if they're only listening to you 80 percent of the time versus somebody in the opposite party who isn't going to listen to you at all. Exactly. And Janicia from Tiwi Queen Jai was on Grapevine and said it. This is a conscious decision. It was a conscious decision that we are making. It's not, oh, my God, we're just following white liberals. She made an exquisite point, And I'll put it right here. Black folks were told, oh, you got to be Democrat, you got to be Democrat. There's this notion that black folks, everyday black folks, don't know what they're doing. You know what I'm saying? We don't know who we're voting for. We don't know what's going on. We blindly pledging allegiance. Like we said, well, this whole system is white supremacist patriarchal capitalism. It's not about allegiance to the Democratic Party. I'm not going to go into a Klan rally and try and convince them that I need health care. I'm going to talk to a white liberal who is also racist, okay, and convince that white liberal racist person to give me health care. I'm not going into a clan a clan rally. So they're all racist. So it's about who can I push closer to my agenda? Who can I push? Who can I who can I get to understand how it is to their benefit to give me health care? You know what I'm saying? So I, I you know the, the the whole thing of of um you know, my people were told to just sign up and just blindly be Democrat. It's not blind. This is a very conscious black decision. And it's not about, oh, these these Democrats take care of. I totally agree with her. She's basically saying this is a conscious decision for us to get in bed with white liberals. We know they fucking racist. We know they racist. It is strategic. It is right. our strategy to get who is closest to us to be able to do what we need how can i convince them that racism hurts you too white motherfucker yes it does uh, (laughs) as as they're finding out as they file their tax returns right now exactly Yes, they are gagging about those tax returns that they thought were going to be a lot bigger because Trump promised them this and Trump promised them that and Trump promised them he was going to be mean to the colored people. Uh But uh, but they are being played. Yeah, he they they they're finding out right now they're being played, 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 played. Yeah, they have been hoodwinked. They've been bamboozled. So, <laughs> so voting. What else? What about socially? Inner um, inner community. What um, are some of the disconnects that you see with the older community and the younger community? Um, for starters, um, and I had this conversation during BTAC last year. Interestingly yes. enough, where there is this disrespect from some younger advocates. Of trans elders like myself. Mm-hmm. And what do you mean? Uh, in terms of 
there's this attitude in some cases where some of these disrespectful ones mm-hmm. have this attitude where, you know, entitlement? We, we, yeah, the entitlement, what, you know, that, well, you know, we're, you know, you, they were able to transition at, you know, in high school or middle school. Mm-hmm. And not realize what people sacrifice, so you could be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Oh, I see what uh, you're saying. Yeah. Um, and or, let me and, and let a, me add then, a little bit to that because mm-hmm. I had to learn about the experiences of my elders before me, before I real and that, and it came later because in the moment of my transition, like when because I'm one of the people who transitioned when I was younger, mm-hmm. so when I was in high school. So what when I used to feel this kind of tension with trans elders, it for me, and this is just my experience, mm-hmm. I don't know about anybody else. Yeah. But in that moment, nobody was at this school. And my I went to Arlington High School in Indianapolis. Nobody was there were no people before me at this school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was breaking these barrier barriers my damn self. Mm-hmm. Now I didn't I because I didn't know the history, because I didn't hold a history of stuff that was going on around the country and this small little mm-hmm. rumble that was going mm-hmm. on that affected uh, even yeah. me in that in that situation. Yeah. I didn't know all of that stuff was going on. So I felt like in that moment, shit, I'm fighting for myself in this situation. No, but I'm breaking barriers myself. I didn't think about how these ripple effects was happening all over the countries mm-hmm. to push my judge to say, Yes, you can go to the prominent address mm-hmm. to push my the people in my school to be cool because we saw and it, it literally they would say it. Oh, we saw RuPaul. Oh, we saw this person. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'll and I, I bring up RuPaul again yeah. because it is undeniable that he was a part of. We know he's not trans, mm-hmm. but a part of the social consciousness. Mm-hmm. To say, oh, we see what this is. This is not as alien. Now you're giving up some new, a new depth about and gender pose, identity. And pose is basically doing the is same it, thing and pose now. right now is doing it. This is the new layer. Mm-hmm. This is the new level of educating people. Mm-hmm. And so, for me, in that situation, when we talk about that, 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 yeah. that and entitlement, and it's, both ways. and it's both ways too, because you know there are some of my elders that I've had to, to basically uh, snatch their wigs on the fact that they're jealous of mm. the ability of you, I say you millennial and Gen Z trans folks mm-hmm. to be able to transition earlier, right? And I said, look, we can't. You know, say, what we were we fighting for? So this said, is what we wanted. You know, say, this, is what, <laughs> this is what we wanted. This is what we were fighting for. We can't help the fact that we were born in the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. Mm-hmm. We were born at a particular time in, you know, say, in history to push society to this point in 2019 right. where we are now. Right. I said, early. you know, you know, say, would I have loved to have been able to transition in high school? You know, I say, but I was in high school in 1977 to 1980. Mm. Renee Richards was fighting, you know, say, was filing a lawsuit to, so she could play in the U.S. Open mm. at that time. Wow. You know, so, you know. Renee Richards is the yeah. groundbreaking white tennis player. Mm-hmm. 
Who yeah. transitioned. Yeah. And who Martina Navratilova just disrespected. Right. With, you know, with her bull crap. You know. Right. So, you know, we you say, so stop hating. <laughs> say, so, stop hating trans elders sometimes on, you know, our young. I say, you know, because they're going to basically do when I'm no longer able to do this work and I have to pass the torch off to Mia and Diamond and Z and or or jazz mm-hmm. or you know say or trinity mm-hmm. you know say or somebody say or some of the other younger or the kids that are right now in middle school right. and elementary Gavin school Graham. kai shapley yeah. <laughs> you know although you know say uh it is going to come to time where you know i can no longer do this work and it's up to you know, and at that and point, you, it's, and it's and you need some rest. Yeah. Sometimes you want to go and rest. Yeah, it's like you know, like yeah, you know, same thing. Like Miss Major says, yeah, time. You know, <laughs> love Miss Major, love Miss Sharon. You know, they're you know, and and you know, I said looking forward to you know spending that quality time with Miss Sharon when we get up there. Mm-hmm. You know, and our you know other trans elders. Um, yes. But you know stop hating on the, as a younglings they're going to do they're doing some as a, and in some cases they're not waiting to get to be my age to do the work mm-hmm. some of these bills that anti trans bills that have gotten spiked in like South Dakota and some of these other states are in large part because of the activism of our trans youth yes yeah they ain't waiting no. you know say so, you know the Gavin Grimm case for example you know, came mm-hmm. out of you know, say, you know, like like your case was a federal case that yeah. you eventually won. You know, same with Gavin. You know, yeah. that started in the high school ranks. Um, you know, and and um, another thing, folks, don't hate on trans folks in prisons. The reason mm. that we have trans coverage in the Affordable Care Act is because a trans prisoner filed a lawsuit back in the early '90s that basically found the government in violation of the Eighth Amendment of a cruel and unusual punishment. We talked about that a couple of yeah. weeks ago um, yeah. in yeah. in the so, trans prison. Yeah. You talk about Farmer and Brenham? Yeah. We're yes. talking about the, far- you know, the yes. Farmer case. And then, you know, we got a trans woman right now who is post-op and in North Carolina and trip. Yeah, North Carolina is tripping and, as a, and want, refuses to transfer her to a female prison. Yeah. And, and another one, and another one that just happened probably a couple of weeks ago in which she finally you know, in, in, in Illinois in which she finally got transferred to a female prison after she had the sue. Mm. Yeah. After she yeah. had the sue and win. Bef- before I start the, with my next question, I definitely mm. wanted to touch on the gap between the younger and the older and that thing. Uh, some of the things that I thought of when everybody was talking about it was how <laughs> how the older generation could be shady towards the younger generation. Like, oh, you ain't got your breasts yet and shake them in your face and all this extra. Mm-hmm. But then the youth being starting when they're younger, so they're obviously able to look more like, feminine, look, look more feminine. <laughs> oh, look. And then they're being ugly towards the yeah. older generation who may not have had those privileges and with me it came with the, or the technology or the technology. of surgery or the money yeah. money and technology because yes. there's the dr osterhoff retired but it was times the technique that he had to get your facial feminization that came that wasn't back there in the 60s and 70s and 80s and that, yeah. and we're looking at the fact that probably within the next decade 
tech medical technology will advance to the point where trans women can actually grow their own reproductive organs through stem cell technology that will yeah. allow you to have your own reproductive organs to bear your own bear children through c-section yeah <laughs> so does that mean that we'll be having periods no. I'm not sure, but I said you'll. We be don't able know. To have, it's science. We don't know where it's going to go. It's kind of soon, but but it's just interestingly enough because basically yeah. just last year we had a you say we had a cis woman who you say there are cis women who have this condition called MRK syndrome that where they are born without reproductive organs, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and so what they have been doing is growing them through stem cells and literally you can grow any kind of body part through them stem cells because uh, right. trans masculine guys uh, heads up they're also doing the same thing with penises Phallum. right now what let's say what phallus is really? right now yeah mm-hmm. so the let's say they they have literally let's say with the stem cells, they can grow these organs and your body won't reject the transplant right and you actually had a woman up in, and they're doing this up in the Dallas area, as a matter of fact. And just last year, a woman say basically threw a, you know, say organs that she grew with her own stem cells, basically carried a child, a healthy child, to mm. term last year. Interesting. Right. So extrapolate that, I say that, about well, another five years to 10 years from now as they perfect this technology it being available for trans women and so we say that because there's going to be we're going to be in that stage where i will be too old to have this surgery (laughs) if Mm -hmm. i'm still here and so there's going to be some if when i'm miss major's age let's bless it i get there Mm -hmm. um we all get there (laughs) there. um if I'm, it's gonna, I'm gonna be too old to be able to have a baby, and there's gonna be some trans women having a baby mm. <laughs> yep. 30, 40 years from now. And I'm gonna be like, mm, girl, or, I wish I could <laughs> You know, or you, you know, say, or you know, you have, you know, say, 10 years from now, you have the ability, trans masculine folks have the ability to actually, if they want to, have a penis that will not be rejected. Right. And they don't have to go through a whole hell of a lot of bottom surgery, and complicated bobber surgery, and money to do so. Right. So, the technology is advancing. The you know the the societal the societal understanding is adv- advancing. Um, and even you know say and hey you know. My, for my trans elders, you know, similar trans elders, stop hating on the younglings because they're doing some amazing stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, because one of our local girls here just ripped the runway during New York Fashion Week. Jessica. 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 Yeah. Yeah. yeah, she is ripping. Zyri. Zyri. Yeah, yeah, she's ripping. Yeah, she's ripping the runway. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there is. As a, we're on just, the same team. Yeah, we're and on the same petty. team. And it's petty. To yeah. even it needs to compare, stop. it just needs to stop. Yeah, it just yeah. really needs to stop because it's like when I sit up there and you know I look at how gorgeous Mia is, I'm oh, like, yeah, you. I'm like, hey, I ain't mad at my sister. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't mad. I said mad at. I said I'm not mad at anybody who you know who has had the time or the money to get facial feminization or all the surgeries that they want. You know, mm-hmm. you do you, boo. Uh, yes. I'm not hating on you. 
But at the same time, don't hate on me because I've been to the White House five times. Baby. Uh, or, right. you know, I... Say, or I put some legislation to protect your you know, monkey ass. Right. <laughs> or, or I spent, or I spend, you know, like, just say like that, that, you know, say like in 20, you know, one in 2014, when I literally had to come, you know, one, that 2014 BTAC, I was coming up there for a break. Mm-hmm. More because I was because I, I had just sat up. I literally missed the first two days of BTAC because I was here for a hearing yeah. oh. that lasted sixteen hours. Oh no, no ma'am. And then <laughs> the next day I got on the bus. The next day I got on the bus. I mean, I didn't realize how badly I needed BTAC that year. Right. Because right. you know, even though you know. You say I was I wasn't cognizant of it at that, that that time, but fourteen to sixteen hours of your opponents hollering, calling you an abomination and everything else, even if you don't think about it, it does mess with your psyche on a uh, on a subconscious mm-hmm. level. Yeah. It's traumatic, and it's very traumatic. Yeah, and so when I got the BTAC that that year, I was just it was just. I Fulfilling. forgot about a the nanosecond I got that bear hug from Espy <laughs> and was around my peoples for the next couple of days. So I think it's something that every trans person should have, like especially if you're a, a black trans person, because it it was the same way with me. Like when I came there and I seen all the different type of people that were represented. Like that was the first time I ever seen. A non-binary trans mm-hmm. trans people, people mm-hmm. identifying people, and it's it's just amazing to be in that type of atmosphere. And I, I I know everybody's heard me say that before, just to be represented and see people like yourself and actually feel like your family. Because a lot of times, you you feel like you're alone, and so it's nice to to see that representation. Where do you see yourself in the future as a blogger and an activist? Uh, let's see. I definitely have the goal of making, say, making sure Trans Grio hits its 15th anniversary. Okay. Mm. Uh, short term. Um, could politics be in my future? Maybe. Mm. Um, that's that's a possibility. I would love to basically be doing punditry uh, on MSNBC or is our CNN. Yes. Um, because you know, uh, you know, the last last couple of weeks I've been literally on on the Factor at uh, Fox Twenty Six and and also just on Channel Two recently. That's everything. Yeah. Uh, so. I would like to one day be able to do that on CNN and uh, MSNBC and not just be talking about trans issues because, you know, I'm capable of talking about just about any topic. Exactly. (laughs) And and one of the things I talked about earlier is about how well-rounded you talk about football, you talk about um, trans issues, you talk... and quiet as it kept, when it's time to hold people accountable about us being misgendered in, in articles around our death, Monica is always the first watchdog. Like, hey, you need the Associated Press has rules and policies about this. How about your motherfuckers follow it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. or, they have set the standard. Mm-hmm. So, hey, 
Check it out. She always does that. So it, with your blog, who are some, because you have a lot of historical people on there. Who are, give me three. Who are your three favorite that you've researched and you have talked about on your blog? Who are your three favorite trans ancestors? One of them was Mary Jones. Okay. uh, Who was back in 1836, Mm -hmm. uh, was in New Orleans. Mm -hmm. And Mary Jones was involved in sex work at the time. Mm -hmm. And she created this little leather pouch Mm-hmm. That for her Johns felt like the real thing, but it actually was pussy stock queen. <laughs> she invented yeah. she invented a pussy belt, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> Made out so, of a cow. But she only but she had but she had this problem of uh sticky fingers. Pickpocket. Pickpocket uh, queen. Come on. I need my ray. You don't have it, yeah. I need more. And <laughs> She was probably the first. Uh, as I say, she was probably the first uh, trans to be misgendered in the media because they were calling her the man monster in the New York Times uh, uh-huh. back in the day. Um, and actually, she got five years in jail for actually for violating the cross-dressing ordinance that was on the books at the time. Um, another one, you know, Wilmer Broadnax. You know, the, I say uh, trans masculine. That was the musician. Um, that was involved in, you know, say that was involved in all these gospel quartets during, mm-hmm. you know, from the forties to the seventies. And he had that amazing life. He was actually born here in Houston. Yeah. Um, and, um, one of the other people that, you know, say Kyler brought us, who's a good friend of mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kyler is the reason that we were included in, I say in, uh, Enda. Kyler ain't dead though. No, he ain't dead. No, but but the thing is, a lot of you say one of the problems that we have in this community, we don't talk enough about the contributions of black trans men. That's true. Uh in advancing, you know, our human rights fight. You know, like uh Alexander John Goodrum. Now he is unfortunately dead. Uh, Mm. but Alexander John Goodrum was a trans man in Tucson, Arizona, who was largely responsible for getting Tucson's non-discrimination ordinance passed in 1998 with trans-inclusive language in it. Mm. Yeah, he unfortunately died of, he committed suicide in 2002. Mm. But he was one of the early leaders in our trans community, national trans community, um, that helped us get to the point, you know, where we are. But, but yeah, there's just so many interesting stories and stuff that I, that I've come up that I've I've managed to find. I say some of them were in the Jet and Ebony archives mm-hmm. that are on Google, yeah, on Google Books. Um, yeah, like Lucy Hicks Anderson's story that you mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. You know, where Lucy Hicks Anderson was born in Kentucky, basically ended up on the West Coast. She not only ran a brothel, uh, but she was involved with politics. in a marriage uh, in a marriage case mm-hmm. in a marriage case in 1945 you know where they accused her of fraud mm-hmm. and she said at the time famously i defy any doctor in the world to, to say to tell me that i'm not exactly who i have comported myself as, as a woman mm-hmm. and you know she had a very interesting she had a very mm-hmm. interesting life. Um, James McHarris, who was this trans man who lived in Mississippi, is actually in Oprah Winfrey's hometown. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, Kosciuszko. Um, who was a pastor? You know, who worked? You know, say who was a pastor? A bunch of other things. But uh, James McHarris was unapologetically living his life and was interviewed in, in Ebony magazine about mm-hmm. it. Um, and Georgia, I said Georgia Black, who they didn't find out she was trans until she was dead. And yeah. then they did the autopsy, and what do we have here? Yeah. <laughs> and mm-hmm. but she had been on the deacons board. You know, she had been on the you know say mission board at her church in Sanford, Florida. She had been you know married twice, raised children. Oh. You know, so this was in the twenties and thirties. Yeah. She was getting through. Yeah, so Bang. we didn't just pop up in the second half of the twentieth century. We've been here. Yeah. You know, I say we've been here. Trans- you know, I say we've been here. Yeah, we've always been part an intertwined part of the you know the black community. Mm-hmm. You know, let's say so. People need to you know stop tripping uh, <laughs> about the fact you know and stop listening to right wing evangelical folks that that uh, basically mean our community no good mm-hmm. at all at mm-hmm. all. But y'all falling for the okie doke. Mm-hmm. Um. And need to stop, you know, and start dealing with the fact that we're here. You know, we are a undeniable part of the black community. We aren't going anywhere. Mm. So to kind of, not to change the subject completely, but I'm kind of piggybacking on you asking the lady out on a date early on in life. Mm. So, and I would just want to know, like, we know love and relationships can be complicated. And I read on um, your Valentine's Day post recently on Transgrio. What would you say, it's kind of personal, what would you say your sexuality is and what are the complications mentally, if any, with the sexuality you identify with? That's a good question because... Uh are you really gonna ask one of our trans ethics about that? <laughs> man, I, is that what we're doing? <laughs> well, That's what we're doing look, today. I, making uh, it who is Monica out here fucking? Who is <laughs> y'all bae? <laughs> actually, actually, when I transitioned in 94, uh-huh. okay, I put myself on a five year dating height moratorium. Wow. Mm. Uh, because it's hard enough trying to get used to not only all the issues that you have to deal with living life in a feminine body, mm-hmm. but trying to deal with a relationship from that side of it. Mm-hmm. You know, after you've, you know, you've seen it on one side of the gender fence and now all of a sudden you're trying to come at dating and relationships from a totally different perspective. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't ready mentally for that mm-hmm. at that point. So a privilege that you have yeah when, when you're yeah society. yeah and it's just you know i was in my early 30s at the time so i was like you know so i was like okay i can put myself on this five year try to figure out who monica was and who what type of woman that i want to present to the world and then i can deal with the i can sort out the dating stuff later mm-hmm. well five years turned into okay now i started dealing with activism and some and then you know there was one brother that one guy that approached me one white one black um but the cost for me would have been to give up activism and i'm like i wasn't really i wasn't going to pay that cost just to get into a relationship you know because they weren't comfortable 
in dating trans women publicly. Remember, this is 19, early 90, late 90s. Yeah. Uh, and you still have, unfortunately, some guys who are demanding that trans women uh, basically cut off, you know, communication and even being active in the, you know, say in the trans community just to, you know, for their own comfort. Right. And I'm just not dealing with that. If you want to date me, one thing you'll have to understand is some of the stuff that I like to do is I like to go out. You're, you're going to be required to take me out in daylight hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're going to be going to ball games. You are going to be going. You know, say you're going to be taking me to restaurants. Girl, gotta eat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like chocolate. <laughs> and on my birthday, I expect flowers. Mm-hmm. I'm going to expect uh, on Valentine's Day. So, and then the fact that I am an internationally known activist means that I am not giving that up. My community needs me. Mm-hmm. So. If you are not, you know, say you are not mentally strong enough to deal with the fact that I am unapologetically black trans advocate. Come on now. Uh, step. <laughs> bye bye. Bye ugly. Bye. <laughs> bye scrub. So what about wait wait wait? So that's also relationship shit. What yeah. about a hookup? You sometimes <laughs> a bitch gotta get a nut. Well, a, that just depends. So. <laughs> <laughs> that, that that depends on who steps to you know who decides to step to me. Um, so what is Monica's type? I don't know. To be honest, I oh, really don't you, know. You so open? You know type, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't. I said the uh, the type that I have is they're going to treat me with dignity and respect. Okay. I know. No matter right. what the situation is, I want to mm. uh, let me out. Treat Amen. me like a whore. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Only wow. in the bedroom, though. Wow. <laughs> no, nah, but it's just. You know, it's just for the most part, it was more important for me to be myself and then I would figure, sort out the the sexuality part of it later. Mm. And it's just that you know, I kept putting it off and putting it off. And next thing I know, as as I said in the post one time, I've been wandering the dating Sinai for so long that the couples who are booed up walk past me, shake their heads, and head over to the marriage promised land as they look at me sadly. (laughs) But, but, you know, if it happens for me, it happens for me. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But I'm, that's the other cool thing that I'm seeing. I'm seeing more trans folks being willing to hook up with each other in long-term relationships mm. you know that is the most you know like you know like uh precious and miles you know being married now for a couple of years you know you as you and z you know me and z being you know hooked up in a relationship expanding the opportunities you know, expanding. i think when we were talking about um the same thing that went the rules about transition was you go and hide off and don't mm-hmm. tell anybody your tea and then how that changed. I think one of the, one of the things about our love life has expanded as well because it used to be you a trans woman, you go be with a man. You a trans man, you be with a woman. And it and those are the rules. You try to fit into cis heteronormativity as much as possible mm-hmm. but the younger generation and even old the older people would be like uh-huh. they doing some weird stuff nowadays yeah. i just mm-hmm. like men or uh-huh. i just like women whatever mm-hmm. and they have these strict rules but now mm-hmm. the young people are teaching us that 
We and I come from that generation too. It's hard for me, like I said, I'm getting out of that. So, but seeing y'all be happy and in love, mm-hmm. and seeing other people explore, like I like that fucking the trans couple that we met at BTAC last year, yeah. the the the, bo- the trans boys, yeah, both oh, yellow yeah. bones, yeah. Yeah. Woo! they are yeah. so cute in their pictures. Uh-huh. They be so cute. And I'm like, just a, they just seem so much in love and happy yeah. with each other, yeah, and. Not I, bitches, don't try it. I don't want no trans woman. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want none of that. Yeah. So that ain't. Uh, I ain't that far. No, thank you. Yes, she is. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> I want no body. I want but no hey. tits and dick in the bedroom except for me. <laughs> hey. But I ain't gonna lie. I ain't gonna lie. That first time I went to B Tech, I was like, "Ooh, these trans brother." Ooh, yeah. Now, now I've opened. I expand my rise, and I'll I'll deal with my trans men. <laughs> but ain't no trans bitches getting these draws. I'm sorry. But, I I ain't never gonna but, get that far. But you know, but, it's, but you know that's that's the coolest thing that I've seen. Yeah, know, they have expanded our idea. Know, they basically kind of opened our mind to what relationships and love look like for trans folks mm, and, and i think that's beautiful and that's a beautiful you know that's always a beautiful thing you know will it you know, say will it happen for me i don't know um if it does cool if it don't you know hey um some of us aren't meant to be you know have that happily forever after sometimes mm, some mm. of us you know it may be for me i get into a series of relationships but none of them basically pan out to you know wedding bells Uh, so mm -hmm. we are coming to the end of the show um and i wanted to know is there anything that you want to share you want to talk about before we leave um basically make sure that you people are registered to vote Mm, yeah Um, because we you know we have a just a uh, you know we just came out of the 2018 midterms 2020 is going to be even more critical absolutely because you know, as this, we already got fucking Campbell now. Yeah. Well, not only is it a presidential election year, it is also coming on the tail end of a census, mm-hmm. and this election will also determine how the pl- how the uh, political fights of the twenty twenties develop. Right. So, it is critically important that every trans person and trans ally <laughs> make sure that they're registered to vote. You know, you I say, and you know the issues. You vote for whatever candidates uh, that you like, and participate. Um, also, you know, for those of you know those of us in the community, um, we definitely need to do a better job of checking on each other. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. And I'm I say and I'm guilty of this at time too. I get so busy that I don't do enough to kind of call and check on folks when I think about them. You know, it's like, oh, I wonder how so and so is doing. You know, and it doesn't, you know, cross my mind to basically mm. call them because you know they might be having a bad day. True. You know, so <clears throat> being a you know doing a better job of basically just simply checking on each other because it's rough on all of us, even us advocates. You mm-hmm. know. You know, I have my rough days. You know, like just this week, I had to deal with a cyber attack on my blog. Mm-hmm. You know, that was a pain in the ass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, to the point where, you know, here I am, you know, I'm preparing to go to, you know, a, a, a mayor's advisory board meeting. And now I've got to deal with this mess that mm-hmm. I didn't ask for. Mm-hmm. 
or you know you know some days you know just going through those days where sometimes you just are not having a good day and mm-hmm. you know not something and you know and sometimes there have been those days where I'm having a rough day and all of a sudden I'll get a call from his major yeah and that is a you can't have a bad day after that kind of call (laughs) (laughs) you know or you know or just you know or hey it's a or hey auntie moni you know because you know now many of the you know say the trans kids call me aunt monica now so don't have (laughs) any kids of my own but i got the same but I sure have gained a bunch of nieces and nephews since, you know, say since mm-hmm. twenty, you know, say in the twenty-five years I've been in this community, and and it's great seeing a lot of them starting mm-hmm. to grow up and actually be the amazing people that I know they are and capable mm-hmm. of becoming. Yeah, well, I want to thank you for being on the show. Anytime. You, there would be no. I won't say there wouldn't be me because you know I'm me, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. but. Knowing that I have you in the city that I live in to be able to be a mentor, to see you using media and social media was definitely a comfort knowing that me being in the space and you weren't Do it, alone. That I wasn't alone and I had somebody who could back me up with the history. Um it it just was such a comfort and such a God, it just was a blessing to have you here. When I found out that you was in Houston, I was like, Oh my God, this is amazing. I mean, how 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 lucky am I? There's girls who are doing activism who don't have this treasure trove of history and knowledge. I can hit you up and say, hey, what was that case that da, 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 that I don't remember because I'm not the historian? Mm-hmm. I can say, what was that case when I'm trying to argue with somebody? Because <laughs> well, you know how to do it. You actually did it. actually did it. What was that case? Da, 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 give her a little detail. She said, here you go. Here's the blog. Yeah. Boom. Uh, remember yeah, this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, case, the case Diamond's talking about was um, there was one day, say, somebody had posted this meme, I said, the meme that Something that a trans woman will never be a jet pinup, and yeah, or some that, kind yeah, of yeah, it was it was it was a jet pinup, some type of thing. Yeah. And I was like, oh, we actually have been a pinup girl in this magazine. Here <laughs> yeah. you go, Boom. Ajita Wilson. Ajita Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, baby. Been there, done that. <laughs> been there, done that. You know? So just oh. having you as that person. And people celebrating you, your walk, your blog, winning awards, and you being a glad and mm-hmm. <coughs> I just I'm again. so proud of you. Yeah, insane. And you know, I said, and I actually had a chance to basically shout you out when the attack happened and talk mm-hmm. about the you know the the the, U- the incident with YouTube pulling you know all like, my videos, yeah, yeah, all your videos yeah, and stuff, which was bullshit. Yeah, which was bull. Yeah, and, um, bullshit. But you know, and you know, we're talking about once again history. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and we lost a lot of history mm-hmm. behind that. My uh, video with Courtney, Cheryl Evans, Cheryl, Cheryl Courtney, Courtney Evans, Evans. Yeah, um, it just so many. And like I went, I'm getting chills because it was it's so much. She's passed now, mm-hmm. and I'm never gonna be able to get that back. Mm-hmm. It's kind of annoying, but anyway, yeah. I don't want to get to that. Yeah, it's sort of like, you know, it's sort of like some of the interviews that, you know, the interview, you know, mm-hmm. the uh, 10 questions, you know, and I, yeah. that's something I need to start doing again, uh, yeah. where I do what I call the 10 questions interviews, where I send you 10 questions and you can basically write the answers yeah. to them. 
And some of the 10 questions interviews I had were, you know, I said that I have on that blog or you know, say one of them was Cheryl. Mm. One of them was, um, one of them is, um, I say, I say, um, Carmen Extravaganza. Mm. I actually really? did one with Carla, you know, Carmen Extravaganza. Um, and she's you know, still so, present, yeah, she? she's still, yeah, she's still here. Yeah, you know, the extravaganzas have had a rough month already. Yeah, we'll so, Hector. Yeah. um, but uh, <sighs> it's something that I need to do more often in terms of the, you know, the ten questions interviews, and then I also need to do it not just with our elders, but some of our youth yeah, as well. Absolutely. You know, our up and come, you know, our up and coming. Uh, activists and stuff and folk move and shit in, in the community oh, yeah. mm-hmm. so, so tell them where they can find you uh, is at transgrio at blogspot.com we'll, for now we'll put the link in the bottom <laughs> transgrio on twitter right uh, and it's transgrio on twitter yeah. Um, and if you wish to send me some money to help keep that mm-hmm. going, uh, yeah, I'm on uh, pay black pay- women. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm on PayPal. So I'm on PayPal <laughs> at Transgrio. So, uh, yeah. All right. And that's so, T-R-A-S-G-R. No, no. <laughs> oh, well, you know, what? go ahead. Well, go ahead. No, no. Spell it out, babe. You can spell it out. Transgrio. Okay. Uh, G-R-I-O-T for Grio. Uh-huh. I thought I spelled that. That's what I said. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. You said T-R-S. That, okay. No, that's trans. I was no. spelling trans first. And then the Grio part. Yeah. Out of here. <laughs> just, All right, y'all. Well, thank y'all for listening and we thank you monica for being here we will put all her information with the right spelling on the bottom (laughs) (laughs) we'll see y'all next week bye bye Bye. well that's it thank you for coming and getting a taste of marcia's plate you can listen to us on itunes and soundcloud make sure you leave a review because we really need those five stars y'all and go like our facebook page and leave some comments we will be posting exclusive content every thursday so you definitely don't want to miss out you can also follow us on twitter and any other social media site at marcia's plate if you like to donate or advertise with us hit us up at diamondstyles at gmail.com that's diamond s-t-y-l-z at gmail.com and that's it for us y'all bye 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 you gonna say bye Mia? oh bye y'all oh. <laughs> <laughs> every little thing's gonna be alright gonna be alright